welcome to the Supergirl Supercast, part of the incomparable network of podcasts. Today, we're going to be talking about Season 3, Episode 13 of Supergirl, Both Sides Now. I'm your host, Trisha Yim. I'm David Schaub. And I'm Jess Vieter. David, I believe you have the National City recap for us. Here's the recap from National City. Purity Plot. Alex and a Black Ops team smash into a black woman's house and scare the humanity out of her. They capture Purity. Carr and Alex argue about their good cop, bad cop strategy. Purity's crystal knocks out the power and she escapes. After a big fight, Julia saves Alex by giving herself to rain. Ruby plot. Lena tells Sam to spend the day with Ruby. Sam takes Ruby skating, but then runs off to be rain. Lena finds Ruby alone and scared and learns more about Sam's blackouts. Lena talks to Sam, talks briefly to Rain, and knows what's wrong. Monel plot. There's drama between Monel and Imra because of Kara or a missing car manual. Monel acts like a jerk but is better after a heart to heart with John. Imra is awesome but has also been lying about a secret mission. Okay, so I think I'd like to talk about the um, World Killers plot first. But uh, that starts off with their intro, uh, and you really nailed it, David. They DEO comes crashing into this woman's home and uh, scares the humanity out of her. It's uh, rather alarming. You know, they're going in there. Uh, they say, we're going to get the world, world killer, not the world killer suspect, as they are, you know, coming up on the house, ready to break the door down, which they do. And then, you know, she's just grooving out to music with her eyes closed and <laughs> suddenly opens her eyes and there's all these people pointing guns and stuff at her. And she asks Supergirl for help. And Alex, you know, they're talking and Alex interferes and says, get away from her, stop moving. And uh, then Julia turns into the world killer, purity. And I I thought it was all uh, a little disturbing. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, blatantly political, uh, which I appreciate. Um, you know, the police getting spooked and drawing their weapons on an innocent black woman in her own house. Um, it's a very powerful visual. Uh, and, you know, the, the audience knows that she's innocent because we know that, that um, these world killers don't have uh, like consciousness of what they're doing when they're world killers. Uh, so we, the audience, know that she's innocent, but clearly the DEO does not. So that's a really interesting dynamic happening on screen. Yes, I, I thought that they, you know, it was disturbing to watch, but I don't mean that they did it badly. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no, I understood. On the other hand, though, I have to say I was pulled out of the episode almost instantaneously as soon as Alex did that. Because it felt so extreme and so out of place coming from Alex in that situation where a car is there dealing with the situation. That is like, what in the world is going on here? I had difficulty coping with just, they needed that scene. They needed Alex to act that way. And this is going to follow for the rest of this episode. That they force Alex into this strong character arc transition the character goes through. And I just, they just have to push her down so low at the beginning to give us this arc. And I, I had difficulty coping with it. Yeah, I mean, we've seen her earlier this season being kind of, um, kind of a jerk telling Kara that she has to, 
repress her humanity and just be strong uh, earlier when she was fighting Rain. And we saw that that didn't go so well. Um, and they come up with the explanation later that she's kind of lashing out because of losing Maggie. But it felt like it really came on ratcheted way high up uh, for not a really good reason this episode. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I mean, I, it would have played better if they had, um, I don't know, started started her, Alex being sort of unreasonably strident in a few episodes before. But it just, it really did come out of nowhere. And this is the thing. They needed to not capture Julia. They needed to capture Purity for just how they wrote the episode. So they needed something to instigate it. And uh, I just, I wish they may have found a better path than the one they chose. Well, they have, of course, been taking their time with Rain and Sam, and so I guess they didn't have time for that much character development in this one, in uh, Purity slash Julia's plotline. So, I mean, we already kind of know the shorthand going in for what's going on with her, but uh, so I'm not really upset that they found this way to kind of pop julia into being purity i just you know alex is just such a great character and i hate to see her uh distorted to serve the plot line like that yeah although i love this actress who is playing purity um i i didn't look up her name let's see let's see if i can find it but she was astounding from start to finish and not only is she astounding but she also does the one thing which we don't get from rain is I like both of the personalities. Her purity mm -hmm. is at least interesting, and her Julia is very realistic. And they both come off, I think, very well. Whereas the Sam's reign just feels a little always overly stilted and unexplainable. Right. Rain is always just angry, angry, angry. But, um, but purity, we had the very interesting moment when she saw into Alex and diagnosed why Alex was being so extreme. <laughs> yeah. um, and it was interesting seeing her going to work on Alex that way, the mental man manipulation, not just, you know, the canary scream. Going back a little bit, though, I was surprised not only in how they acted like a police force taking her down, but what actually surprised me the most was when they got back to the DEO office, they were all patting each other on the back. And that's a bit I think that bothered me the most in the scene is that all of the DEO members were, except Supergirl, were happy about how that went down. From my perspective, it was an entirely failure of it going down. They didn't need to capture her as purity, though they didn't know that they could have had a chance to get her as Julia. Maybe. To me, the entire action was a failure, even though they did capture her, and they're just so happy about it. And that was the bit that really kind of me. Well, I guess they've been having so much trouble with Rain. They, you know, it, it it's understandable that they would be elated that they captured a, as they see it, supervillain without her actually getting to hurt anybody first, as they see it. <laughs> yeah, I sort of agree, though, because the, uh, I don't know, they're, they're like, they don't normally go in. Oh, that's not true. I was gonna say they don't normally go in guns a blazing. But I think I think what the show is doing, I hope what the show is doing is, so far it has set up most, if not all of the villains as very black and white, evil versus good. And maybe this is the show 
lampshading that a little bit and saying most villains aren't all bad. And I mean, I think this is the theme of the whole show and probably the whole season. Like, you know, each person is complicated, complex, not all bad, not all good. So maybe this is the show saying until this point, we have, um, you know, introduced all of the villains and dealt with them as only bad people. And now Morgan is going to stay bad. Yeah. And, and now they have to like figure out how to how to make them more nuanced. Or at least it shows that not all of the people they're coming up against are all bad. Some of them are probably still just bad people. But uh, here we see that, you know, we're not always seeing what leads up to someone turning into a villain, so to speak. Um, and that, that, yeah, there are some complications and nuances. So that that's something to appreciate. Yeah. I think the show is pretty self-aware, so I'm, I'm hoping that that's the direction it's going in. Mm-hmm. And the end of this episode, I think, does lead us in a path like that. Okay. So back at the DEO, they, they have Julia slash Purity in a cell, and Supergirl starts in saying, hey, I think there's actually still a Julia in there. I want to talk to Julia, and starts trying to draw her out. And Alex threatens to dissect <laughs> uh you know it's just so extreme i mean we've already talked about it being extreme but wow i was like this good cop bad cop is like evil cop good cop <laughs> it's uh it's yeah so i can kind of see that alex is reading purity and she is probably reading purity accurately so alex is probably not wrong about purity it's just she's blinded about the fact that Julia's still there and there's some chance to go that direction. But still, even with that, even if Alex was right, if this was just purity, the bad cop, good cop is just so heavy handed. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I The thing that I found interesting is, um, I, I guess, I mean, Alex is going off the deep end a little bit, but um, but you're right. When I was watching this, I did not really think about the fact that she was reading purity correctly. Uh, and it took me a little while to remember that or to realize that purity is like obfuscating her human part for them. Like she's trying to present herself as being all world killer uh, to hide mm-hmm. her human part. So um, so it's really interesting that, you know, both of the, either of the sisters like picked up on one side or the other. You can see what the writer wanted to do without doubt. Yeah. Okay, so um, Wen has been experimenting with the uh, the information crystal that they found uh, hidden in Purity's home, and uh, it starts glowing, and then Purity gets her powers back enough to escape, and over at the skating rink in the other plot line, um, <laughs> uh, Sam suddenly abandons Ruby, and I thought that was interesting you know it's the the i don't think that anything when was doing triggered the crystal i think it's like the crystal just decided it was time does that help seem how it was to you i would be tempted to have thought that the computer hologram in the fortress triggered it but they didn't really say that oh yeah because i was thinking that purity triggered it that's also possible i guess we don't know Right. Well, so, okay, moving on. <laughs> Rain, uh, sorry, Purity, for some reason, takes refuge in the subway system. And when when finds her there and the DEO goes after her, uh, she, of course, 
starts laying waste to the subway system, civilians are running and screaming, and so that diverts the DEO from the capture mission. I mean, couldn't they have waited till she got somewhere else on her subway ride and then taken her in a not-so-crowded place? Yes. Well, they had the subway cart to film in. <laughs> yeah, that that was definitely a, you know, uh, an obvious, this is this just looks cool moment. There were a couple of things about the technology that was a bit strange. They had the sonic protection, which in theory reduced the power that Purity had over them. Going back, there was an earlier scene where Wynn is describing how Purity's abilities are much stronger against Kryptonian. But in the first fight, we actually see her having almost no effect on Supergirl. It felt like there was sort of an inconsistency between what was being written versus what was being shown for Purity being very focused on hurting Kryptonians. But I do kind of like this scene where they show up, they have their protection systems, and Purity freaks because her primary attack mechanism is no longer effective. But she bounces back really quickly and realizes that she can attack the subway itself instead, and uh, thus divert the team from trying to capture her. Yeah, And that does do an awesome job of uh, getting John Jones out of the picture. In that John Jones is <laughs> relatively powerful, yet he is reduced to holding up a roof. Yeah, which is well, not not a bad writing job. I uh, appreciated that her um, that Purity's power is you know this 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 black woman who we have seen paralleled to you know current events with you know police brutality and all that. Um, that her power is her voice. I liked that a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it descends to Supergirl and and uh, Purity punching each other, and Supergirl goes down, and then Monel fights, and uh, Monel goes down. Good try, Monel. <laughs> and then, for reasons I really don't understand, Alex suddenly starts talking to Julia and actually getting through to Julia, and Julia comes out, and Purity goes away. And that's another, you know, that was kind of a whiplash moment from Alex suddenly deciding to see the good in the person they are fighting. There are a lot of whiplash moments in this story. I really like some of the scenes in this episode, but there are a lot of, whoa, what just happened? <laughs> and very fast transitions. And this is definitely one of them where Alex sees the light and becomes a good cop again. I don't know. I um I understood what they were going for here because they so Alex has this moment with purity where she reads her and is hits her you know um right she reads her perfectly and, and lays her bare and uh and so she has she's forced to examine her whole perspective in this situation which is she is hurt and therefore she is lashing out to hurt someone else um and and because she examined that she became open to the realization that she wasn't right. So I, I liked that moment a lot, but um, it, it is sort of not exactly in her character. Mm -hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like other people than Supergirl occasionally seeing the good in other in people. Uh, it just, for, for Alex to go from uh, where she was at the beginning of the episode to now uh, just seemed too far too fast. Yeah. 
So anyway, uh, Julia uh, comes out again, but um, unfortunately by that time, Rain has shown up and uh, Rain starts beating people up. And then Julia sacrifices herself, offers to go with Rain if she'll stop, if she'll refrain from killing Alex. Um, so certainly we can see that Julia is a good person and I can only hope that she doesn't get her personality personality wiped in the Fortress of Evil or whatever the name of it is. Sanctuary, I think? Not sure. Mm-hmm. A lot of things of this fight I really do quite like. I think they did play it relatively well. It does have the slight problem where a human goes out against a Kryptonian. The Kryptonian hits them and for some reason the human is still alive. <laughs> it's worth it for the scene where Julia sacrifices herself, as it were. To save Alex. I know we've sort of gone past the point, but I loved the like slow mo scene of Rain, not Rain. Oh yeah, well of Rain when she enters the DEO and 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 when Purity escapes, and she just and Purity just strides down the hallway, like destroying everything in her path, and it's like slow motion. And it looks so cool. I loved that scene so much. I liked it, but at the same time, a lot of the things she's doing is taking people down one by one. Um, and sometimes she screams and several people go down. But still, these don't exactly seem like world-killing powers to me. Maybe if she screamed for lou- lo- loud enough and long enough, the world w- itself would start to vibrate apart, I suppose. But, you know, just just these fights, they still seem a lot like you know, just a little tougher than normal supervillains, not, you know, world killers. There's a budget problem when your characters <laughs> have the ability to knock buildings down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they, they've mentioned a few times that she's still, like, newborn, so maybe she hasn't fully gotten her powers yet. Okay. And also, she just might not have been trying. She just walked out of there. And I also quite like that they had the sort of slow motion scenes of some of the combat, and then they have her rise up, which is nicely done. And then she just instantly just flies out at full speed. So they get that transition where the flight seems so fast because they go from doing a bunch of slow-mo to normal speed. I think they did it relatively well. I don't know how I feel about her sacrificing herself for Alex, though. Like, plot-wise, it makes sense. But uh, thematically, it, it kind of muddles the message that there's the, sh- the episode is trying to send, I think. So, it, um, you know, I'm conflicted. We don't know what Julia knows, because it's possible, like, she also isn't just saving Alex. She might be saving all of them. Like She's ending this fight that is risking the lives of everyone in the building. Mm-hmm. I can understand, but yeah, we really don't quite know how much Julia understands what the situation is that's around her, and that that would even work. It makes sense that Rain does it, because she was given that clear instruction of to act very tactically about Julia's emotional state. So mm-hmm. that followed well. There, there was enough preparing for that type of transition that, that I was happy with it. But yeah, we don't, really don't know what's going on in Julia's head. We don't actually see a lot of Julia in this episode. Oh, sure. I just mean that, like, logically, it makes complete sense in the story. It makes sense, like, you know, s- script-wise, it makes complete sense. Just that they are, you know, they're making this parallel to Black Lives Matter. And, and in the end, the black woman has to sacrifice herself to save a white woman. Mm. That's the thing that I have trouble with. Fair point. Okay, so uh, do y'all want to talk about uh, Sam's plotline now? Sam Rain? Yeah. Let's do that. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, 
Sam shows up at Elcorp and Lana sa- Lena says, no, take the day off. Um, and so Sam agrees and takes Ruby ice skating, which is cute and sweet. And then, uh, because of the crystal thing going on over at DEO, Rain takes over and abandons Ruby at the rink. And I liked that, uh, you know, Ruby called Lena. And Lena tries to comfort Ruby, but Ruby is, as as we've seen before, Ruby is pretty sharp, and she's figured out that something is really, really wrong with her mom. And I liked that, and I also really liked what happened at the end, uh, or near the end, when um, Rain was done being Rain, and Sam came rushing to to Elcorp and uh, talks to, to Lena. And at first she's like, oh no, what have I done? And then she, when, uh, when Lena starts explaining, you know, Sam is picking up on this stuff. And uh, I told, you know, yes, she's figured out that, that uh, she's, that you're sick. And uh, I told her that we don't know what's going on yet. Uh, Sam really turns it around and it manages to go from being upset at herself to being super mad at Lena. And that was a turnaround that although it was, you know, sudden, was totally believable because it's so human to be upset with yourself and then find somebody else to blame. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There are a lot of scenes in this plotline I really liked. Like going from the beginning of it, you get the scene where Sam and Lena are talking about how they met and how that takeover happened. And that was all very nicely played out. And it actually gave me something I sort of wanted, which was a bit of background into how those two people met. And I really like that scene. I like the very beginning where Sam gives the line entirely in the background of complaining that this organization she's working on is meeting their KPIs, but they're still underperforming, which I think means their KPIs are not built properly. But anyway, (laughs) there's a bunch of corporate speak. It's fun. All of that scene, I really quite like just that beat of them seeing together and making it very clear that Lena is not unhappy with her performance. Right. Um, I really liked both of the Lena and Sam scenes. Uh, They, uh, it's really nice to get a good, well-written scene with some of the, you know, slightly more peripheral characters. Um, there were good plot reasons to have the scene, but it was also just really nice to see that interaction done so well. I totally agree. I really like Lena's character. Um, I'm, I have mixed feelings about Rain or Sam's character, but uh, like I see, uh, I think she's best as Sam. And, and, uh, and I really like seeing these two interact and I'm so like, Lena is so smart. So how is she not figuring this out? And and maybe she has, maybe she knows exactly what's going on. I guess we have to wait till next week. Right. Well, at the end, she, she actually says, I think I know what's happening. And, uh, before that for a moment, when, uh, when Sam had gotten so angry, when she was blaming Lena for the problems, her eyes flashed rain red for a second and i don't know if lena saw that uh we the audience certainly were meant to see it but i'm not quite sure if lena did we have no idea whether their eye coloring is visible in the show at all or whether it is purely for the audience Mm. no idea i'm gonna presume that it's there in 
in real life. I mean, in real life in the television show. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um, and I'm trying, I'm just, what I'm trying to remember is whether or not Lena has encountered, has she encountered Rain? Has she seen her up close? I can't remember. Mm, she saw the street battle where Rain was punching Supergirl um, at the end of the first half of the season. But I, I don't think she's ever been up close with her. So hmm. she wouldn't necessarily know much about Rain. But, you know, so if she saw the, the eyes flash red, presumably she would know this is more than a mental illness happening. Uh, if she didn't, she could still be thinking in terms of, I don't know, just multiple personalities or something. So my interpretation of the scene is that when Sam flips and starts getting upset at Lena... I think that actually is Rain talking or like 90% Rain or something like that. Because Lena asks Sam afterwards, does she remember what she said? And she didn't. So that was a blackout for Sam, which basically means that was predominantly Rain speaking. And that's Rain, which is interesting is that's Rain caring about Ruby as there's some bleed between the two characters. But it also sort of explains that big push and that character change there. And if Lena does not know that she's Rain, I'm going to be very upset. <laughs> That's a really good point, though, that that Rain and not Sam cares about Ruby. That's very interesting. It could be not so much caring about her as viewing her as a possession and part of her uh, cover. So I'm I'm not it, it may be. Uh, as you said, a, a bleed through where, you know, Rain doesn't really care about uh, Ruby, but the the Rain-Sam entity as a whole is in the habit of, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Rain has generally been so black and white that seeing any type of gray or complexity from Rain is just so unexpected that it'll be hard for us to interpret. Right. Mm. I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens next week with that plot line, though, because, uh, you know, we've been kind of in slow motion for a while, which is nice to see the slow build that we've been having. But um, it feels like, uh, you know, soon, soon we they're going to have to figure it out. And that is really, um, I really like that we've had this episode with the uh, Julia and Purity thing. Because Alex and and Supergirl will have had the experience now of dealing already with a world killer who has a person inside, or vice versa. Um, and so uh, I presume that's going to help when they deal with uh, Rain and Sam. And I also really liked something Supergirl said uh, toward the end of the episode with the... Um, Maybe, you know, the world killers, it looks like they're going to, they might be too strong for us, but maybe we're not supposed to beat the world killers. Maybe we're supposed to save them. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, I adored that line. Now, maybe just because I'm a fan of the Squirrel Girl comic, and that's always Squirrel Girl's solution, but <laughs> <laughs> the thing I like most in a Supergirl or Superman storyline is when just punching harder doesn't always solve the problem you actually have to think through the problem and solve it in a more interesting and especially for superman a uh, way that saves everyone at least as much as possible i'm really happy that they are taking us in the direction where now uh, we don't just have to beat them up we really do need to save them yeah yeah 
One quick thing before we leave the plot, I just wanted to do another call out for the scene between Lena and Ruby, because not only did I really like that scene, but it was also exactly the scene that we wanted in one of the previous podcasts between Alex and Ruby when they had their babysitting night. Our complaint there was, well, this was this great moment to give Ruby a chance to talk to another adult who knows Sam about her concerns. And that's what we thought was missing there. And it's great mm-hmm. that the scene finally made it almost exactly as I wanted it. Just offset a couple episodes and with a different character. <laughs> that was really the thing we were looking for there. And uh, it's nice that we got that. Yeah. And it's nice that Ruby's getting more of a character. Like, I don't know. It's hard. Like, television uh, children are kind of difficult because they tend to be either... They tend to be unlikable for whatever reason because they're really plot points and not people. So I like that they're giving her more of a personality and more self-awareness than I think she had initially. So yeah, I like that Ruby is a character now and not just, you know, plot uh, fodder. I don't know. Right. We see uh, Ruby as much more of a person now that we know she's been kind of stewing about her mother for months. She didn't just accept the big trip that oh no i didn't go anywhere and do anything she's been worried about that this whole time whereas before it looked like she was just kind of accepting the the non-explanation so i really like that you know it instantly gives her whole character more depth and uh interest that you know she's not just an object that's getting moved around for the plot she herself uh, really cares for, for her mother and is worried about her. And I just like seeing all that. It is also still possible that Ruby has superpowers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I suppose. Um, also, just one more thing about Ruby. You know, as as I believe was mentioned on the last Supercast, um, the the idea that if Sam eventually goes away, Alex may become her instant mother. Um <laughs> I was oh. right, right. Which <laughs> this is my out there theory. I realize it's not likely. I no, no, I likely. I had thought of that some time ago, and I think I even mentioned it uh, last in the fall. Um, the idea that it might happen, but um, so I I think they are definitely giving us some clues that it might happen. Although I would hate to to lose Sam as a character. Um. But anyway, at the beginning of the episode, when Alex was being super bad cop, I was thinking, you know, maybe it's not a good idea for her to adopt Ruby. <laughs> but I guess we got enough leveling off of, of that uh, with the, the conversation that Alex and uh, Kara had at the end of the episode that it, uh, okay, it would probably be okay. <laughs> we'll see. We shall see. Yeah. Okay. So I guess unless there's something else moving on to the other plot line, which is not not as interesting, but something that we must get through. <laughs> I'm afraid so. Oh, right. It's, <laughs> it's the uh, Monel and the Legion ship and Monel and Imra's relationship. I almost had a line in my recap, which is there's this plot line about Imra, but she's barely in the episode at all. <laughs> mm. Right. So, so yeah, they're fixing the ship, and I like that Wynne gets to do some technical things. I wish that we could get some actual character development for Wynne once in a while, but uh, at least they're letting him do 
techie things and continue to prove that uh, he's he's still a very uh, viable presence on the DEO and getting things done. So nice to see Wind getting to do something. I'd like to see him having having a life too, but oh well. Anyway, so Wind figures out how to fix the Legion ship after they take the battery out of Jean's um, Bel Air slash spaceship. <laughs> Um, and, uh, Technobabble, they were overcharging the cells, something, something. Anyway, he fixes the ship, but while all that is going on, Monel is kind of mean to Imra. He, he, she, she wants to help, and he basically stiff-armed her. And, uh, that was a little disturbing to see. And then Jean has a heart-to-heart about, you know, uh, sometimes secrets aren't good and share the load sometimes. <laughs> And then he finally sits down and has a talk with Imra about feelings. That heart-to-heart, though, is a really good scene. I, I don't know if there's enough around this plot line to hold it up at all, but I did like that one scene, and I did really like the photography in it, the lighting of it. Like, it was a wonderful little scene. It's just it's a pity that the plot is out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. The scene in itself was not bad. It's just I'm, uh, this, this, uh, relationship stuff has been going on for a while and I'm, I'm just not really into it. <laughs> so, all right. You want me to tell you what I think is happening here? Yes. yes. All right. I think this is the scene, this like B, no, sorry. C plot is, uh, the show laying out that even though Monel probably still has feelings for Kara, um, they are not going to do a love triangle. At least that's what I'm hoping. <laughs> um, because, and, you know, I was not super enthusiastic about this whole scene, but, uh, or this whole plot, but I like that the show acknowledges that long-term love is complicated and it takes work and it's not always about the lightning bolt, uh, you know, moment of attraction. Uh, and it's about choices and communication. And it, it feels like the show is showing Monel is choosing Imra and communicating with her as the path forward instead of having this like love triangle thing that could happen on a different show. So I think it's subverting that typical sort of CW kind of I'm gonna I'm gonna avoid using BS. <laughs> <laughs> Kara and Monel's relationship, once they got past their initial hatred of each other, it was the intoxication of infatuation and they weren't together long enough to have any real serious internal issues between themselves. And so that's always going to be, you know, that relationship was super wonderful all the time. And of course, the relationship with um, Imra, which they found out started as a political marriage, that has been based more on equality of equals rather than Monel practically worshiping Kara and wanting to be like her. So it's a more mature relationship, um, and that does take work. Um, but it does seem like he is trying to stick with that relationship. And I'm really interested, yeah, by how they are portraying those two aspects of love, the, the lightning bolt and the, the work of marriage. Sometimes I think I might be too old for CW shows. It, 
almost feels embarrassing sometimes watching adults just trying to learn how to have an adult relationship. <laughs> but it does feel like this is getting there. Again, the end feels nice, but the beginning is just so embarrassing and horrible that <laughs> <laughs> I have difficulty coping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess real people don't really talk like this, do they? <laughs> it was also odd because they set it up because there was an argument that had happened before, and they never showed the argument that caused some of the strife to be happening. And I don't know if that was the right choice, especially because it was sort of hinted at that it was something like they were arguing over finding the car manual. There was sort of this argument, that maybe it was a meaningless argument, but sort of something had started this that was off scene. And maybe it, it would have helped, maybe it wouldn't have had we seen that. Well, it worked for me. I didn't really feel the need to see them arguing about the uh, the the spaceship manual um (laughs) you know i i I didn't feel like that was a necessary thing to see and we did have a whole lot of other plot to get through uh in the episode but yeah i liked um i liked how they did that actually just just referring to the argument instead of uh having to watch the blow by blow it might have been the right choice yeah i wanted to step one thing though there was the plot element i didn't understand how does someone from Saturn marrying a Daxamite from another solar s- system help bring Saturn and Earth together? <laughs> <laughs> like, they occasionally throw things out in this show that I just don't understand. Well, I love that Monel is the, like, is Earth's representation in the future, apparently, even though, or like, you know, past Earth's representation in the future, even though he's not from Earth and has only been, had only been there for like six months at most or something like that. And so like, you know, uh, in a past episode, I really loved the Bon Jovi moments because they were (laughs) so ridiculous and so wonderful. Oh man, Uh, still loved that. But yeah, so, you know, he's got like maybe a year's worth of Earth experience and he's, and he's their representation. (laughs) We don't well, if I recall future. correctly, Earth is basically destroyed in the future, um, and Earthlings are refugees all over the galaxy. Is that right? Sure. So, so I Mon-El- don't know if Earth is destroyed, but I I can't remember. But I know that their like history has been destroyed. <laughs> uh huh. Oh, that's that's right. Yeah. So so anyway, so um, Monel as a refugee, a double refugee from Earth, and I mean from from. From uh, Daxum and from uh, Earth, you know, well, it it's it doesn't really hold together. <laughs> I guess he's more of an Earth advocate or but or ambassador than an actual Earth uh, Earthling. But you know, you're right, David. <laughs> it doesn't really make sense, <laughs> but uh, I guess we just have to go with it. <laughs> For this episode, it almost more felt like they have the scene coming up later where we see that Kara is really on the recovery for Monel, but therefore they decide this is the time where Monel now is the one who's having difficulty with that relationship breakup. Like it's past the torch. Who's the one who's <laughs> stressing about a relationship? And this relationship is seven years ago for him. Right. Well he's been sort of in denial and trying yeah. to repress those feelings that are trying to come back up. But um uh, so I guess the uh timing of her being uh, upset and then him being upset works but i'm glad that this is the c plot line <laughs> uh, it, it still feels like a little more time spent on it than i would love but um 
at last, at least we finally have something interesting to look forward to. Um, it turns out that, uh, as, as Imra finally confesses to Monel, once he's honest with her, she confesses to him that, uh, she, they kind of left something out important about this mission. And I am really eager to find out, hopefully, ne- uh, next episode, why the Legion ship finally uh, actually came, uh, back in time here. Yeah. I've been thinking that this whole, like, it has, it's, it's so convoluted and it's so hard to, like, <laughs> <laughs> wrap my brain around going back in in the future and then going back in time it's like multiple thousands of years to then travel back to the future which is now the present i don't know <laughs> it's it's all very con- convoluted so i'm glad that there's a reason and not just like happenstance <laughs> <laughs> there's a reason but i really wonder if that reason was actually planned from the beginning of the season or not so if everyone remembers the beginning of the season when Monel shows up he acts bizarre he mm-hmm. doesn't talk to anyone. He beats people up. He tries to steal things for no apparent reason. And it's never explained. They just drop it and ignore that that ever happened. And what I find interesting is if they were on a secret mission that Monel knew about, that could have possibly explained that previous behavior. And here we find out that there was a secret mission, that there could be an explanation for strange behavior. But Monel didn't know about it. So it, <laughs> it's very ah. frustrating. <laughs> that first episode of Monel be, being a jerk to everyone, I just still can't comprehend. And this is not making me feel any better about it. Yeah, and there have been other hints when it um oh conversations with Wynn that Monel did know more that he just wasn't talking about. So yeah, this um Maybe there's a third layer that only Imra knows about, and Monel knew about the second layer, and you know the top layer was what he told the people people at DEO. That I'm seems, lost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not entirely satisfactory. <laughs> they may pull it together. We'll see how well they do. We shall see. <laughs> okay, so are there any other elements that people want to discuss? I just want to give one more shout out to another scene I liked right near the end where Kara and Alex have another relationship with potentially leading on to tequila <laughs> for how Kara is sort of getting over things and how Alex is having difficulty. And I really liked how that scene was acted and written. It worked well. Yes. Um, I just wanted to point out a quote that Alex says at some point, which is like, cynicism is keeping the rest of us alive, which <laughs> felt so current. <laughs> Um, maybe that's part of the reason why I I felt like I I didn't have such a problem with her whiplash-like behavior in this episode because I feel like (laughs) I feel like that's me a little bit in in this like current political sociological situation where where I you know I occasionally feel like taking my frustrations out on other people (laughs) Mm-hmm. even though it l- makes no logical sense. Um, so yeah, I, I liked that line because it just, it felt very real. Yeah. It's possibly true that that if Alex lived in the United States in the last week, she'd be on edge too, and that would be more understandable. <laughs> but uh, they don't live here. <laughs> they, they, they have an alien president <laughs> that nobody knows about except for DEO. <laughs> don't you wish you had an alien president? Yeah. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, about that about that the uh, scene at the bar. I also really liked that um, Alex said to Kara, sort of dismissively, but also sort of just acknowledging their roles. She said, "Oh, Kara, you always have hope," meaning kind of like that's not me. And then Kara points out, "But but you have hope too." Basically, she says that she could have just settled for the relationship with Maggie, which which was very good, but that she wanted more, and that uh, Alex had the courage to break up uh, that relationship to try to have the, the, the other things that she wanted besides just love. She also, or just romantic love, she also wants children. So I thought that was an interesting point, um, that, you know, it's it's not just the hopeful sister and the cynical sister, that uh, people are complicated, and Alex has those hopeful elements, too. Good people are complicated, just like bad people are complicated. <laughs> Good point. Yep. I look forward to complicated bad people. <laughs> yes. Okay, any other final thoughts? I don't think so, except that we now we have to wait a while, because now we have a break before we get the next episode. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'd like to thank The Incomparable Network for hosting us. Thanks to our audio editor, Seth Heasley, for making us sound much better than we are. Also, thank you to all our listeners out there. We'd love to continue the conversation on The Incomparable Facebook group, the members' Slack channel, and uh, we now have a Twitter handle for the Supercast. It's at SGSupercast. And finally, thank you, David. Thank you. And thank you, Jess. Thank you. Okay, we'll be back following the next episode of Supergirl. Yeah. Good talk. (laughs) 